The True Crime Society podcast contains adult themes and violence and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. If you'd like to skip the intro, please refer to the timestamp listed in the episode description. Thank you. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the True Crime Society podcast with Stephanie and Olivia. Happy Thanksgiving to those who celebrate us Americans. And, you know, if anyone else wants to partake, too, that's fine. It's a lot of good food. So everyone's free to join in and Happy be thankful. Happy Thursday for- to the Aussies. That's about all that's going on here. <laughs> <laughs> Just pretend. Be like, hey, I'm American in spirit, so it's funny I'm because we stay home today. When we recorded our Patreon the other week and we were talking about Thanksgiving food, all week I've been like, okay, after we record today, I'm going to go to the shops. I'm going to buy myself a big piece of turkey so I can have turkey sandwiches all week. <laughs> yeah, Just to get in the spirit. <laughs> uh, I can't wait to eat all the food i said mm. on the patreon but you know i'll let everyone in here as well no it's really not that <laughs> exciting but my family is like a big appetizer in desserts family so i'm so excited for all the little appetizers and desserts because mm. like turkey is good but it's really like not that exciting to me because i don't really love chicken either so it's basically the same thing my favorite sandwich in the whole world anytime is turkey, cranberry sauce, red onion, and sprouts. It's delicious. Like, mm. I don't know if it sounds that nice, but it is like it's crunchy and sweet and oh, it's just Mike delicious. Mike loves like any type of Thanksgiving sandwich, sandwich situation, like the cranberry turkey situations. <laughs> mm. He loves it. So I've been following this girl on Instagram and her goal for the past few weeks has to, be- to eat every Thanksgiving sandwich that she can. <laughs> mm. So I've been enjoying that. I can't see them too much like i see them at diners a lot there's one restaurant here that does one but i'm also probably not paying attention <laughs> too much so um if you're listening to this on thanksgiving morning cheers <sighs> to you for being so dedicated <laughs> um i hope your day goes smoothly i know this can be a stressful time of year the holidays as fun as it can be it's stressful everyone is stressed out everyone feels uptight but If anything, let this podcast and any true crime podcast be a reminder that you never know what's going to happen in life. So try to have as much patience as you can with your loved ones. I know they can be annoying, but they just love you so much. (laughs) Excluding toxic family members. If you're not talking to people, that doesn't apply to them. So they can can stay out of your life. For sure. (laughs) You don't need those ones. (laughs) No. Take a deep breath. We'll get through the holiday season all together. Yes. (laughs) It's my pep talk. I decided to try to help everyone out a little, be in good spirits. I guess the one good thing about not having Thanksgiving here is even though we don't get to eat all the delicious food is that you have to see your family less. (laughs) Yeah. We only have Christmas and that's about it at this time of year, so a little bit less stressful for us. Yeah, it's just even me and Mike were just talking because – Thursday's Thanksgiving, then Friday and for the weekend we're going to Vermont. So I'm like, all right, woohoo, three-day work week. But then it's like, I really don't want to go to the grocery store. So how am I going to stretch it? Because even Friday, the grocery store is already chaotic. Like you do not want to go anywhere near a grocery store right now. So I'm like, I don't know. I guess we'll just starve (laughs) because see what we have in the freezer, see what I can order because I'm not. Yeah, just from now until Christmas, everything is chaos, especially Mm. 
I mean, like the grocery store I go to the most is probably Walmart, but it's like a super Walmart. So it's also a store with toys and other things. So people do a lot of Christmas shopping there. So it's just always a nightmare, honestly. Black Friday plus food. It's yeah, a lot. <laughs> I like didn't even think of Black Friday. I don't, I was gonna say, I don't really celebrate. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I feel like it's, when I used to work at the mall, it was a big thing and it was crazy. But now it's just so many people shop online and yeah. it feels like it's not as much of a thing anymore. I've never found deals that were like that insane over the last two years. I'm just trying to get organized on this at this time with all my Christmas shopping because there are some like pretty good deals, you know, 30% off and 40% off and stuff like that. So I, yeah, been trying to get organized, but I feel very unprepared this year. There is one good website. I have a hot tip for everyone. If you use Amazon a lot, I don't know if it works for other sites, but there's a site called Camel, Camel, Camel. <laughs> it's a silly name, <laughs> but you can put Amazon links into that and it'll show you the price tracking of a product for like the whole oh, year, yeah. however long, because sometimes they'll try to trick you and they'll like raise the price yeah. of it and give it like a big so discount. It like so a just the regular price. Yeah. So, so be aware, everyone. <laughs> Everyone's a scammer out there. Be aware of their tactics. And I feel like stores have really tried to just like monopolize not monopolize, really just tried to manipulate us all to Black Friday because now there's like pre-Black Friday sales and then there's Black Friday sales and then there's like Cyber Monday sales where Mm -hmm. it's like a whole week of sales. So Black Friday just doesn't seem as big of a deal anymore. Yeah, like I remember the old days where you'd see the videos of people rushing to get the TV. Murdering each other. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I don't know if that's – stores, they tried to stay open on Thanksgiving for a few years, like when I worked at the mall – they would open early on Thanksgiving and then people were like, hey, that's kind of like rude to your employees. So they're like, Ugh. then they all try to be like up on a pedestal. Like we will not be open on Thanksgiving this year for our employees. It's like, why? Because everyone yelled at you last year. <laughs> no, everyone will be so, yelling again. Why? We came last year. Why can't we come this year? Yeah. <laughs> Just an endless cycle of pandering. Yeah. All right. Well, happy Thanksgiving again to everyone. I hope you have a great day with lots of food and for everyone else i hope you have a great thursday with some good food too um all right so let's get into it we do have a little update with the charlotte senna case i know a lot of us followed that she was the one that was abducted by a stranger in upstate new york in september the very end of september um and they found her a couple days later and they arrested a guy named craig ross jr that snatched her off her bike found her alive thankfully Yes, thankfully. But they did charge him with a few more things on Friday last week. So on the 17th, he had four counts of predatory sexual assault against a child, sexual abuse, assault, and endangering the welfare of a child added to his list of charges, the ones that he already had. Um, He was already being held in jail without bail on the charge of first-degree kidnapping. So the case was adjourned till December 21st, and a hearing is scheduled for January 2nd to determine whether a plea deal is on the table. And the trial is tentatively set right now to begin April 1st. So uh, when when you sent me that news article in the chat, like, ugh, it just made my stomach sick. Like, horrible news. It's not unexpected. Like, obviously, we hoped it wasn't going to come to that, but just what a pig. Just seeing it like written out like that just makes you feel absolutely sick. And also if they have to go to trial, like I guess I understand they probably want justice, but I also can, you know, think that they would want this just to be over and done with so they can start trying to heal. For him to take some type of plea deal. Yeah. 
We'll see what happens with that one. Um, We'll keep everyone posted because I know a lot of people were following that case. Yeah. And we've had so many messages from people who are just pretty heartbroken after that last update. Like it's not enough to be snatched from your family and kept in a filthy trailer for days, but then to have to endure all this as well, it's yeah, too much. So I think that's the only update we really have. Not much else going on otherwise. And for this episode, we're going to talk about a few cases of moms who killed their kids. We're going to go over three of them, three smaller ones. I feel like it's been a while since we've done a mums who murder episode, but just keeps yeah. happening. We did, um, what's her name? Was that like a UK one? No. Uh, Lauren Dickerson. Yeah. New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. All right. So let's get into moms who murder. We're going to start with a woman named Tiffany Lucas. They should both be here today in school, going to school, learning, <laughs> playing sports. Maurice Baker Jr.'s stepmother, <laughs> Michelle Rice, and Bobby Baker, his aunt, gather outside the Bullitt County Judicial Center. How do you accidentally shoot a kid two times and then shoot their brother? How do you do that? It's no, no. No, there's no, no we're accident. we're not accepting that. There's no. It's not mental illness. She knew what she, she did. She had options. Bullitt County Sheriff's Detective Richard Beal testifies inside. He interviewed Tiffany Lucas, the mother accused in the murder of her boys, six-year-old Maurice and nine-year-old Jaden. Uh, I asked Miss Lucas if she meant to hurt her children. She indicated that it was an accident. Quote, it was an accident, end quote. Detective Beal's testimony brought the hearing back here to the scene of the crime. He says another officer arrived to find a neighbor tending to the boys who were shot in the head and that Lucas was outside in a nearby driveway. Lucas's defense asks the detective if the sheriff's office tried to detect any drugs in her system. Are you aware of any kind of toxicology screening or, or drug screening my client uh, may participate in between the time for arrest and now? The detective answers no after the defense motions to preserve and review the evidence collected by the sheriff. Judge Jennifer Porter approves and leaves Lucas's bond unchanged at $2 million. Although court ends for the day, it's just the beginning for the family's mourning two special lives lost. We're going to be here every time, every step of the way. Um, and we're going to make sure that we bring justice for these boys. Justice, the grieving stepmother says, is the death penalty. So that's a pretty recent one. It happened this month, actually. Um, we did some posts about it. But if you don't recall, Tiffany, she posted a lot of her life online. So we were able to share some of her posts, but her Facebook is pretty wide open. So you could check that out. And it's still up, which is unusual. Yeah. Usually they take them down pretty quickly, but for some reason hers has stayed up. Yeah. Um, she has a lot of pictures with her two sons, Jaden, who is nine, and Maurice, who is six. But Maurice was nicknamed Peanut. So if you hear us refer to Peanut, that is her son. And she refers to him as Peanut in her post as well. So in a Mother's Day post on Facebook in May, Tiffany wrote that her sons were always together and never apart, adding that together they were three souls and one heart. She added that she wouldn't know how to smile, love, or survive if it wasn't for them. And I mean, she's got, it looks like a it's pretty typical social media, nothing too crazy about it. Lots of pictures of the kids. Her uh, intro says, Jay and Peanuts World Forever. The last post that she's got on there is their Halloween where they dressed up as Star Wars. Um, mm -hmm. Like they all, all three of them dressed up kind of in theme and she wrote, May the Force Be With You. 
Um, she did make an interesting post on there in 2020. She wrote, I cannot understand how these parents are abusing their children, torturing them, selling 11-year-old little girls for heroin, allowing the fathers or boyfriends to have their way with them and looking the other way in disbelief. Like, wow, my heart hurts so bad. I just wish I could save all these poor children. God, please protect our children. They are our futures. So that one didn't age very well. No. Yeah. So there's like heaps and heaps of posts with the boys. Um, happy 4th of July from my loves and me. That's a photo of her and their kids. Family is what you make of it and I'm grateful for my family. Um, so, yeah, a very different picture she painted online to what was actually going on, I think. Yeah, definitely. Tiffany lived with the boys in Bullitt County, Kentucky. We haven't been able to find out much about Maurice's father, but we did find an article saying that Jaden's father was murdered in 2019. It seems like he was um, shot to death. Part of his obituary says... Darrell Howard, Louisville 38, passed away Saturday, July 6th, 2019. He was a member of Bates Memorial Baptist Church. Darrell was preceded in death by his father, Daryl Ray. He's survived by his parents, Regina and Gino Rowan Sr. children, Darrell Jr., Messiah, and Jaden Howard, Jada. And it goes through a lot of family members. I guess I don't really need to read them all. So Tiffany does have a few prior mugshots online. She was arrested in the past for things like receiving stolen property, possession of a controlled substance. She previously spent a month in jail for a drug possession conviction, but she didn't really have any violent crimes or anything like that. There is a comment on one post about her from an ex-boyfriend. <clears throat> and he wrote, this was my ex-girlfriend and she did indeed have a Xanax and Coke problem. So it seems like she was still battling some substance abuse issues at the time this all happened as well. So on Wednesday, November 8th, 2023, around 11 a.m., Tiffany's neighbor felt like something was off. The neighbor entered the property and found Jaden and Peanut in a bed. The boys were covered in blood and there was a gun on the bed. The neighbor found Tiffany collapsed on the lawn at the front of the house. But I feel like that because then later it says like, Tiffany was like at his house in the yard and said, the So kids I think if you, like this is kind of what was originally reported. And then when she was in court last week, they actually said it more became about more clear. Yeah. All right. Um, so 911 was called and the boys were taken to Norton's Children's Hospital where they underwent surgery. Around 2 50 p.m., police said both children had died from their injuries. Around 3 45 p.m., Tiffany was booked into the Bullock County Detention Center and charged with murder. A neighbor named Amanda Magnus spoke of the shock of the murder. She said, it makes me sick just thinking of any kid getting hurt or possibly losing their life. It's just devastating. The following day, Thursday, November 9th, Tiffany's bond was set by a judge at $2 million. Since the murders, family and friends have come out and spoke about the circumstances leading up to the tragedy. Jaden's father had an older son who was also named Darrell, so he's Darrell Jr., and he spoke about losing his brother. He, I th- he must be an adult, right? It doesn't say. Yeah, his age, he is. But... He looks like he's like early twenties. Um, he said to WLKY News, "I should have did more. If it came to me snatching the boys out of the house, I should have, and I will hold. I will hold down the back for the rest of my life for both them boys." He claims that CPS was alerted to things happening with the family for years, but no action was ever taken. He said, "We wanted them. We would have taken them with open arms. We loved them so much." He said, I know Jaden and Peanut, they're together, and I know our father was probably waiting on them, waiting on both of them. He spoke about the last time that he saw the boys. He said, we just played a card game, just a card game. It was as simple as that, and we had the best time, the best time ever. 
Colonel Alex Payne, chief deputy with the Bullock County Sheriff's Office, suggested that Tiffany may have turned violent due to pure evil, a mental health crisis, substance abuse, or a combination of the three. I think that's like a weird comment. Yeah, I know. It's like basically any, and it could be any reason. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that reason is pure evil. He said, pick your poison. None of it's good. The result is horrific. Tiffany appeared in court on Tuesday, November 14th, and we learned some more about what happened on the day of the shooting. So ring surveillance video from the neighbor showed Tiffany coming out of her home and going over to her neighbors. The detective said no other people are seen leaving or entering the house apart from Tiffany herself. So in the video, four gunshots are heard. After the last gunshot, Tiffany can be seen leaving the house and looking for help at the neighbors. The neighbor told the police when he pulled into the driveway, he saw Tiffany walking down the stairs to his porch before collapsing in the driveway. Tiffany told the neighbor that her kids were dying. That's when the neighbor then went inside and found the boys, and he stayed with them until EMS arrived. So just very strange behavior on mm. her part. Like she went over there, said her kids were dying, and then just decided to lay in the yard, I guess. So when Tiffany was interviewed at the sheriff's office, she was asked if she meant to hurt her children, and she responded by saying that it was an accident. Tiffany was also asked about the gun she used. She said that someone had given it to her and that she had left it in the bedroom. She told detectives no one else had been to the house that day. Tiffany also made comments during the interview like, I'm in such a bad spot and I'm so stupid. I would never do anything like this unless someone manipulated me. Which is like a weird thing mm, to say. It's a like, very unusual statement. It's just weird phrasing, too, because if someone manipulated you, wouldn't you just be like, so-and-so manipulated me, or I was manipulated by this person, they told me X, Y, Z. Detective Beale testified that Tiffany made statements that she was being manipulated through Facebook, through the internet, or through the Wi-Fi into doing what she did. We also learned that Tiffany shot the boys in the head, and then she left the gun on the bed there. Judge Jennifer Porter decided to keep Tiffany's bond at $2 million cash, saying that she remains a danger to the public. She also moved the case forward, finding probable cause to have it go to trial before a grand jury. So that is where we're at with that case right now. Um, it's still ongoing, obviously. There's an article from today that's come out that says basically family members have gone in and since cleaned out the house and they said the house was filthy and it had the utilities turned off and there was an eviction notice on the counter. So obviously mm-hmm. things were very out of control for Tiffany. Seems um, like everything was snowballing maybe. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. seems like she was, I mean, if she was struggling with addiction, maybe she was on drugs at the time of doing this or just something clearly affected her mental health. Um, just her, I, don't, I wish they would have elaborated more on what they meant by she was being manipulated through yeah. Facebook or through and the through Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi. Like, I yeah. would love to know more about that as well because that, that statement to me speaks of mental illness like she thinks that someone was speaking to her through those you know meet through that media and I would love to know what she meant by that but there hasn't been any more that's been elaborated on yeah it almost reminds me of the people who think like 5g is poisoning them type of vibes (laughs) so I'll come after you for that it is it is poisoning you (laughs) (laughs) listen let, let me be poisoned then um yeah, like the Facebook part, I can maybe see that because they're, if you're in like some obscure Facebook group where people are brainwashing people or manipulating people, that's one thing. But just vaguely saying the internet and Wi-Fi is, there's a lot, a lot to wonder about there. Just to finish off, I just wanted to kind of highlight two more of Tiffany's posts that she made. 
about her kids. She wrote, I love my kings different, and that's why Jaden and Peanut are different types of children. They are God sent, and every wrong I've ever done or any hurt I've ever caused, I am so focused on correcting and loving them longer and deeper. She then went on to say, I cannot guarantee a lot of things in life, but I can guarantee the mother I will always be, the love I will always share, and the best I can ever give and do will be promised to you, my love, Jaden and Peanut. I wonder if it's like she really wanted to be a good mom or like was a really good mom sometimes that again was struggling with addiction and mental health issues or if it was like the guilt and that's the image she wanted to project online. Yeah. I always wonder that with things like this. And obviously like there's other articles where the family have said they tried to call CPS and no one ever took them seriously. Like I feel like it does seem like there were some red flags over the years, but yeah, I guess Mm -hmm. did she ever want to be a good mother and she just couldn't or was it just all an act to try and cover up that she knew she was being neglectful and horrific to her children? Yeah, probably never know. So the second Mums Who Murder case we're going to talk about is the case of Brandy McCaslin. She was a 39-year-old woman and this happened this year, 2023, and Brandy had been struggling with her mental health earlier this year. Good grief. How in the world can you imagine that? Neighbors can't wrap their head around it. They're remembering no Bryce and Bubba as written on this tree memorial in front of the house. With colorful flowers and pom-poms opposite this crime scene tape portrays the dark events taking place here Thursday afternoon. Bill Swawetcher lives nearby and says he watched multiple officers try to get McCaslin outside to surrender. The Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation says the woman was armed with a weapon and barricaded inside. I think it was around 3 o'clock and... uh... The police officers here in massive numbers, and those are the guys I really feel sorry for that they have to go through that. Getting no response, OSBI says they went inside and found McCaslin and her three children dead from gunshot wounds. I did see the kids come in and off the bus a couple times. Blake Forsman's family lives across the street and would often see their mother waiting for them or loading up a truck. I noticed the exterior of the house wasn't kept up. The garage windows were shattered, and there were bikes and toys lying around. Forsman says he fixed their fence in the past so their dogs wouldn't get to his. They look like normal kids. I mean, they, you know, would get off the bus, run inside, ride bikes, just normal everyday kids. A tragic event leaving the community, especially neighbors, speechless. The pitiful part is that those kids, they had nothing to do with anything, and they're gone. They're gone. And that's, those kids are the future of America. Justin Ayer, 2 News, Oklahoma. So Brandy was a mother to three children, Nolani McGee, who was 11, Bryce Collier McCaslin, who was nine, and Billy, who was nine months old. Billy's father, who is also called Billy, told the media that in January 2023, Brandy had tried to take her own life and she had to have a gun wrestled out of her hand. Billy, the father, filed for emergency custody of the baby and it was granted. Billy said everything was good for about a month. She did a little little treatment and they decided to give her back supervised visitation. He said, I was hesitant of that as well. I was scared that that, that there wasn't anything changed. So I don't believe, obviously, that Billy and Brandy were together at that time. Um, And he's also made some posts on social media about how Brandy tried to change the baby's name. 
He wrote, she tried to change my son's name because she was mad at me because I wasn't coming back to her. His name was Billy from day one. I never stopped calling him anything but that and it was wrong of her to do so. Out of respect to me and my son, who had no choice in the loss of his life due to his mother, please do not refer to him as anything but Billy. He deserves that. I wonder why she tried to change it too or if she was just calling him something else. Mm. So there's a friend of Brandy's called Lucretia. She said that Brandy had posted a photo of herself and the baby on Facebook in July 2023. Brandy wrote in the caption that she was so happy, but her friend said, I could tell by her face that she was struggling with something. I mean, she just looked sad. So in recent years, Brandy had faced the deaths of her sister, mother, uncle, and her grandparents. Those deaths had involved cancer, suicide, and a drug overdose. The local pastor, John Kerr, said lots of tragedy, suicides in the family, drug use, all of the brokenness we see in our communities all the time. So that's five deaths in the last few years. It's a lot for anyone to be facing, especially sister, mother and uncle, like grandparents might be expected, but to lose all those other family members as well, that is a lot of loss. Well, and also just puts her in a situation of wondering who's next when it's Mm going to be kind of an just like a constant paranoia that someone else is going to die again at any moment that's close to you. And also a lack of support then, you know, to not have your mother, to not have your sister, you know, that's obviously two less people to help and be able to support you like from the other end of the spectrum as well. Yeah, a lot of grief for sure. So I believe that all three of Brandy's children had different fathers, um, just, you know, in case you're wondering why Billy didn't have custody of the other two and things like that. But on July 20, 2023, Verdigree Police Chief Jack Shackelford said that a woman brought one of Brandy's children to her home for a supervised visit. So it seems like she didn't have uh, full custody of any of the children at the time this happened. The women, the woman had two other children with her also. When the woman arrived at the house, Brandy threatened her with a gun. She made the woman and the other two children, so not her own children, the woman's two children, go into a garage where she trapped them. Brandy took her own child into her home and her two other children were there at the time and she barricaded them all in. A police officer who was driving down the street saw fireworks coming from a house and he, quote, knew that there was something wrong, so he called for backup. The woman who had been locked in the garage set off a Roman candle firework through a broken window in the garage in an attempt to signal for help. Janet Wiseman, who is the grandmother of both Bryce and one of the kids who was held in the garage. So it seems like the woman was a family member who was kind of facilitating the visit with Brandy and those other children were also related to Brandy in some way. Janet Wiseman said, I have two grandbabies in there that could have been gone. I'm just very lucky that the lady in the garage, my daughter-in-law, was smart enough to try to get help. She's the one blowing the Roman candle out the window. So there was a standoff between Brandy and police for the next three hours after they arrived at the house. The Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation issued this statement about what happened that day. They said negotiations quickly began as they worked to make contact with 39-year-old Brandy McCaslam. A standoff ensued for the next three hours. After no response, officers made entry into the house where they found Brandy along with her three children dead inside. The children included a 10-month-old and a 6-year-old and an 11-year-old. It was determined that Brandy shot all three kids and then turned the gun on herself. So there are separate GoFundMes for all of the children, which obviously is because they all have different fathers and different extended families. Uh, Nolani's uh, family gave some information on their fundraising page about the circumstances that kind of led up to this. It says, on Thursday, my parents got the worst phone call. During my sweet little sister's supervised visit at her mum's house, her mum took her life, her two little brothers' lives and her own. My parents have done everything in their power to keep my sister emotionally and physically safe. 
Their lawyer and guardian were working to ensure the judges knew how concerned they were for Nolani's safety with her mum, but unfortunately the system and the courts failed our sister and her sweet little brothers. Nolani was 11. We called her our Hawaiian princess. She loved horses and all animals. Uh, She loved making jewellery and drawing and her favourite meal was my mum's cheesy chicken spaghetti. Everyone who met her said how beautiful she was with her beautiful big brown eyes and the prettiest smile. She was fun and silly and loved making people laugh. She was the baby. So after the murders, Lucretia, who's the family friend, said, I'm just at a loss for words. My heart's just like, I don't know. I'm just numb right now. I was hoping no one would be here. Honestly, I could just sit outside and pray, but everyone's still here. And that was as police were still processing the crime scene at the house. Lucretia said, this is heartbreaking. This family's seen a lot, you know. This mental health has really, really affected when it comes to that and substance abuse. I just can't believe she took the kids. I don't know. I just don't understand it. So Bryce's grandmother, Janet Wiseman, wants to know how Brandy got access to a gun. She said, I'm devastated. I'm furious. I'm trying to wrap my head around it. It's just not real yet. And Billy, who is the father of the baby, said, there was nothing I could do. I basically watched my son fade from my hands because I knew something bad was going to happen and no one would help us. We've got to have some checks and balances and some accountability when it comes to mental health in this state because as it sits now, it cost my baby his life and it cost the other two kids that I consider my children their lives too. So another very, very sad case that could have ended up, I guess, a lot worse if those other three people were also taken by Brandy, um, but just a horrible outcome for those poor kids. Both of these stories, even the next one too, it just makes you realize how often domestic violence, like CPS, child abuse, can so easily slip through the cracks. I get that the system is very overwhelmed, but even neither of these women should have had access to guns. It seems like in the first one, she said someone gave it to her. And this one, we don't really know how she got her hands on a gun, but I've just been on like a big kick about this lately where so many people have access to guns that just should not and it's very scary um obviously this that's a big like politically charged debate statement but it's just scary to think how even with the main shooting people that are clearly struggling like just way too easily have access to guns um and especially someone who threatened to take her own life with a gun just months before this happened and had to have the gun wrestled off her. Yeah, and where yeah, like CPS is involved, people are calling CPS. It's just, I wish that more people would be held accountable for these things. It's like, we've done this podcast for, what, three going on four years now, which is <laughs> crazy. Um, but how many times are we like, oh, they fell through the cracks, they fell through the cracks, or there was all these red flags that were missed. And it's just so frustrating. And even like, it's, I know that it's, it's a little bit different, but even the Harmony Montgomery case, like we knew how abused and how broken she was and she still fell through the cracks as well. It's just, I don't know. I don't even know how you can even begin to fix the system because the system does seem extremely broken and obviously it just under-resourced. Goes back and back and, yeah, that's what I was going to say. It just goes back and back and back because they're all understaffed. I've always heard that it's like a horrible job to have. Obviously, it's tough dealing with child abuse for one. There's a lot of burnout it's a tough subject so people can only do it for so long and not everyone is obviously signing up to hear such horrible stories and have to just hear about the darker parts of life and see what a lot of kids in abusive homes go through yeah so it just how do you fix it i don't i don't know <sighs> also another thing that we didn't touch on cuz i just didn't want to interrupt in the middle 
very resourceful of the woman in the garage. I know. She's a firework. Because imagine I was like, why didn't she just go out the window? Maybe it was like those small windows or something where she couldn't have gotten out it. So she lit off a firework outside of a broken window. And also crazy, the police officer then went and looked because I hear random fireworks going off around here all the time where if one went off, I don't think a cop would have been like, hmm, let me go check that out. Yeah, I'll go and see what's happening. Yeah, very resourceful of her. And good thing the a police officer just happened to be in the area. Driving past at the moment that she let out the firework. Yeah, stars really aligned with that at least. There is a post I found from one of Brandy's friends which kind of highlights the issues that we've been talking about. She said, I'm just utterly crushed by this news. My heart breaks for all of those that this devastating loss will forever change. Brandy and I were inseparable for most of our lives, even despite thousands of miles and opposite personalities. She was family. The last two years we hadn't talked much, which part of me will regret. Brandy's life was full of trauma, loss, addiction, and hardships. My heart aches to think that this tragedy could have been prevented if she had better access to mental health services. I just pray that she, along with her three babies, are together and reunited with all the family and friends they have lost throughout the years. May God give us the strength to remember the healthy version of her, the joy that she brought us. Obviously, I know that that would be hard for the people who have lost these three children to wish for as well, but, you know, it's just an interesting perspective on how things can change without support and without help. So the last case we are going to speak about is a really crazy one. It happened this year as well. It's about Nancy Johnson and the murder-suicide of her two children. I am just, I'm dead inside and I've cried all weekend and I just, I just feel sick. That's how Derek Johnson is feeling after finding his wife, 37-year-old Nancy Johnson, and two kids, 5-year-old Mia and 2-year-old Jacob, dead in their home on Evergreen Court last Thursday. Derek lives in the camper behind the home and felt something was wrong after he noticed all the lights were off in the house for more than 24 hours. I opened the door. I noticed Mia and Jacob were laying on the couch with blankets on them, and uh, I walked over to Jacob and put my hand on his back to try to wake him up and he was he was stiff as a board he had foam he had foam coming out of his mouth and I walked over to Mia she had she had foam coming out of her mouth and I walked into the master and there was a There is a bathtub full of blood. Derek believes what led up to the tragedy is a result of ongoing marital issues that he noticed during the COVID-19 pandemic. I feel lost now. I have nothing, absolutely nothing. And I don't know how I'm going to recover. I I don't know. I, 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 just, I just know I'm going to miss, miss them all. So Nancy was 37 and she lived in Alabama with her two children, Mia, who was five, and Jacob, who was two. Nancy and her husband, Derek, had been having marital difficulties. Derek had filed for divorce twice from Nancy this year, 2023. The couple were originally from Utah and Washington and had only moved to Alabama this year. They'd moved after the cost of living got too much in their previous locations, which I know is something that a lot of people are dealing with at the moment. And also just another stress factor on top of everything else they probably yeah, have Yeah, moving going on. to multiple times with young children for Feeling financial like you're reasons. running out of money. Yeah. yeah. So Derek has since told the media that Nancy's mental health began to deteriorate during the pandemic. 
he started he said it all started with QAnon and we would get phone calls at work saying that that we were going to have blackouts and that we would need to have a meeting point Derek said I mean she got bad she went from one thing to another and just kept jumping and jumping to all sorts of things online she couldn't see that it was taking over family life Derek said she refused to get any sort of help you can't force someone to get help you know, a long time ago, they would call the paddy wagon and they'd pick you up and take you, but not on, not anymore. And honestly, that could have made the difference. So in December 2022, that was when Nancy began asking for a divorce, but she never really gave Derek a reason why she wanted one. Despite this, the family pushed ahead with their plans to move to Alabama. Derek has said that he mainly worked out of state and that Nancy started to file, quote, strange police reports on him on dates when he wasn't even in the state. Um, according to a court document filed in June 2023, Derek claimed a DHR worker said that there were concerns about Nancy's mental health and about the children's safety. This is a quote. It said the DHR worker expressed concerns regarding the mother's mental health and the safety of the minor children. DHR work, worker informed the father that they do not feel safe, that, that they do not feel it is safe for the minor children to remain in the care and the custody of the mother. So at that time, Derek was attempting to get custody of the children. He filed for emergency custody. A few weeks later, though, the couple agreed to undergo counselling instead. Derek has told law and crime since. He said, she took advantage of my love towards her and was able to cancel the divorce, able to cancel the emergency order through her persuasion through me. I was stupid. I didn't see what she was doing. So in August 2023, Nancy accused Derek of domestic violence. I believe at this point, Nancy had actually taken the children from Alabama back to Utah and she was issued a protection order by a judge there. Derek then accused Nancy of taking the children out of state without consent. And this was also one of the times that he filed for divorce this year. This info is from the court documents. It says, on or about September 17th, 2023, almost immediately after Nancy arrived in Alabama, the plaintiff, as in Derek, forced his way into the home previously shared by the parties, causing damage to the home as he broke in through a window. Once inside the home, Derek physically attacked Nancy and attempted to grab one of the minor children. Nancy was able to break free from Derek and fled to her vehicle with the children. And then basically that's why he was booked on these domestic violence charges. Police Chief Todd Freend said that law enforcement had responded to six to eight calls of abuse in the house and the calls had been both from Derek and Nancy. The chief said the last several months we've had a lot of domestic disturbance calls out here from the couple, just different domestic type calls, anything from harassment to physical. So Derek has since spoken to law and crime about this domestic violence altercation on September 17. He said that when he got to the house, there was a pickup out the front that he didn't recognize. He said he tried to get into the house through a back, back window because Nancy had changed the locks. Nancy apparently tried to push him out of the window and clawed at him. Derek has said that he tried to hug his children and he briefly hugged Jacob before the boy was ripped out of his arms by Nancy and that Jacob began to cry. Derek says that Nancy took the children, left the house and called the police. And he says that after that, he was arrested for the protective order, which he says he never knew about. And he spent 24 hours in jail. So it just seems like a big, messy situation. You know, Derek could have been physically abusive, but they were obviously not amicable in the slightest. Um, Just seems like a very toxic situation. Yeah, it's easy to put all the blame on Nancy and knowing that she kills the kids in a situation but it seems like like you were saying that the whole situation was very toxic and difficult 
and the children were probably going through so much with their parents fighting like this all the time. Yeah. So as part of the custody agreement that they did have, Nancy and Derek were meant to alternate living in a camper that was parked in the back of the home. So while one parent was in the camper, the other one was meant to be in the house with the children. Which is a horrible idea. I don't know. Like, why was that agreed upon by anyone? This toxic couple calling for domestic violence five to six times, fighting all the time. And they're going to be like, all right, so why don't we just live in the yard? Yeah. And just don't talk to each other. I'm guessing it was probably primarily a financial decision because it doesn't sound like Nancy was working. They were on one income. Um, I'm assuming that's the reason why they did it. But yeah, I know it doesn't sound like a great idea. It's probably just like the best that they could do, I guess. But Nancy returned the children to Alabama and she appeared before Judge Walter Honeycutt there for a custody hearing on September 20. On September 26, 2023, a judge issued a visitation in order in which Derek and Nancy agreed to alternate custody weekly. On September 28, so just two days later, an emergency hearing was held. Judge Honeycutt verbally ordered DHR to remove the children from Nancy's home due to safety concerns. There is no written order about the reasoning behind this, so we're not entirely sure why the judge made that move at that time, just two days after you know, finalising the custody agreement, it seemed. So Derek has said that he became worried when he noticed that the lights had remained off inside the house for 24 hours. I'm assuming this is a time when he was meant to be in the camper. He said, I noticed there was no sounds. There was no movement in the house. All the blinds were closed. It was very dark. There was only one light on in the master bedroom. He said, I drilled out the deadbolt in the back of the French doors and the back of the deadbolt fell off inside. As I opened the door, it was dark and quiet and I saw my kids. Derek said, Jacob and Mia were laying on the couch. He said, it looked like they were taking a nap. Derek said, I saw my children, but I didn't feel them. I don't know how else to say that. They were there, but I didn't feel them. As I went over to my son and put my hand on his back to wake him up, he was just stiff. And then I saw he had foam coming out of his mouth and nose and he had discolorations and I started panicking. And then I went over to my daughter and she had the same thing. And then I started wondering where their mum was. Derek said, I knew something was wrong because that deadbolt falling on the ground should have woken them up. And when I looked at them, I didn't seem, it didn't seem like they were there. I just can't grasp what happened. Her family can't grasp what happened and reality hasn't set in that they're gone. So in the bathroom, he found that the bathtub was filled with blood and water. He checked some closets on the way to the master bedroom and he said he finally found his wife sitting in a collapsed position with blood on the floor. After that, he says, I don't really remember much other than to call 911 and that's all I remember. So police were originally called to the house for a triple homicide, which is what it was reported as in the media. Um, It was soon discovered, though, that it was actually a murder-suicide. Autopsies showed that Nancy had drowned her children before hanging herself and that Mia also had some lacerations around her neck. The police chief said it's definitely not a typical homicide scene. It's more brutal than normal than what we normally see. And regarding Mia and the lacerations on her neck, he said, I would say she put up a fight. So Nancy was found with some wounds on her neck and wrist that investigators believe were self-inflicted and that she did it at the same time she murdered her children. When police interviewed neighbours, they were told that Nancy told the neighbours that if anything was to happen to her, Derek should be the main suspect. The day before she murdered the kids, Nancy left a suitcase with the neighbours that contained a note about something happening to her, some cash, clothing and her phone. Police seem to believe, they haven't come out and said it, but basically they're insinuating that Nancy attempted to orchestrate her suicide to look like a murder in the hope that Derek would be arrested. She tried to go and girl him. Yeah. 
So Sheriff Paul Birch said that Derek had cooperated with the investigation. He was very cooperative and we were able to corroborate the timeline from where he said he was and where he came from and he was truthful in those statements. And he also said that he hoped social media comments suggesting that Derek was guilty would stop. Sheriff Birch said, we know DHR was involved in some of these filings and I guess domestic type situations. We've been made aware there may be some possibility of mental instability. I find this one interesting because... Uh, like I, I suspect or I hope the police have done a thorough enough investigation, but there does seem like there was a lot going on, which I can understand why they may have assumed it was a triple homicide at the start. Yeah. Um, it's also even if it was just a murder-suicide, like he wasn't involved, it's interesting because even for someone who is struggling with mental illness, it's not like she was totally out of her mind because this was a very calculated thing to do as yeah. well. To try and like, set it up with the notes and the cash and saying, if something happens to me, it's my husband. Yeah, it wasn't calculated. like a mental break Crank. where she was just totally out of touch with what was going on. Thought she, she clearly was planned saving her kids. At yeah. least days before. Yeah. I don't, it's hard to say if like Derek seems like he's toxic as well. I've, I'm assuming they must have enough information if they went as far as being like people on social media should stop Stop speculating. And obviously they know more than we would. But yeah, just it's a wild story. I I don't think Derek is totally innocent in the situation. He contributed to a very bad situation. Um, And even if he was like, and when he said, I know, he said, you can't make someone get help. Um, but it's obviously his, her mental health was obviously not great, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's just hard to say because when we don't know either of them, we don't know the whole story because he really could have just been in fear for his children. She could, how he said like he was just trying to get the kid out of her arms, but then he gets arrested for domestic violence. There's so much like ambiguity that and back you don't really know what like, the truth is so she changed the lock so he, the only way apparently he could get in was to break in the house which would have probably terrified the children it's just like a lot of mess yeah it, just horrible for the children because it seems like it was always toxic fighting blaming each other definitely horrible um despite Obviously, Nancy apparently killing his children. He has positive, Derek has positive things to say about her. He said she was one of the best mothers I knew and she was one of the best mothers that would just hover around her children no matter what. She always made sure that they had what they needed and I don't think people realise that she mentally just degraded but that she was still in her mind a good mother but the actions that she was taking was not benefiting them. For the people that say she was a bad mother, you're wrong. So that's interesting. It's kind of a little bit reminds me of the Lindsay Clancy statement that her husband made when he, like his statement was a lot longer, but basically that she was a great mother and she was unwell and that she wasn't in her right mind when she did what she did. Yeah. And even I was thinking before, um, it seems like a lot, I don't know if it seems like it because we just talked about another one, but that the mental health effects from the pandemic are really coming out or just like still lingering because this one they said, didn't they say that she got worse during the pandemic? Yeah. yeah and then yeah. when we talked about uh, Kaylana, they said that she really struggled during the pandemic. And it's just interesting. I, I'm sure it's too soon for like statistics, but 
just to see kind of how the pandemic affected Well, because there hasn't ever been a situation like the pandemic in the lifetime of most people now. So to see how it will actually end up affecting people is going to be an ongoing study, I would assume. Yeah, it's interesting. There was a um, GoFundMe that was started to raise money for Derek. It was shut down after it raised $17,000. I'll just read part of it because it is interesting. He said, I love Mia, Jacob, and Nancy so much. Nancy had been struggling with mental issues and was having an identity crisis since the pandemic. She let the teaching and rumors of the world consume her, and no matter how I tried to help her, she pushed me away and I could not force her to get help. Then he goes on to talk about the custody situation. Um, he said, so much love and care was put into them for the seven years of our marriage as in the children. He said, now I'm at ground zero and I'm left with 25K in debt, a bathroom that I can't possibly stare at when my children were drowned. I want to tear it all out. 1800 in property taxes due soon and I just don't have any foresight on when I will go back to work. Um, so that was the GoFundMe that raised some money for him. And then so after the GoFundMe was stopped, he wrote another update. He's like, thank you for donating. He said about his children, I know I will see them again due to the covenants and sealing power Nancy and I took in the temple to God. I am grateful for being a member of the church. My main support has been from them in these times. And he just goes on to say it's truly a blessing, you know, and asks other families to get help if they're in a similar situation. I was just thinking, like, even though I was just saying Derek contributed to it as well. Like on the flip side, if because he's like, no, she was like suddenly a different person. She was really struggling. Where I'm like, this was my partner or like a family member of mine where you know there's just like something wrong with them. Like they're not themselves. Like something is wrong and you love them so much where you would want to go to the ends of the earth to try to help them. So maybe that was why he was just like always there and these situations would happen because you're just like, you're not yourself. Like, please like get help. And it's probably so frustrating. And then the person who is struggling mentally doesn't always realize they're struggling mentally so they're like fighting back against it it just seems like a really awful situation for anyone to be having to go through um i didn't want i don't want to seem like a victim blaming Derek because it does he is saying about her that something was wrong so i could just imagine how difficult that would be to see someone that you love deteriorate in that way as well it's um, interesting because I did look up the obituaries of all three of them <clears throat> and I've made a blog, so I'll put them on there. But I'll just read out Nancy's because it obviously is written by Derek and I, f- I found it interesting. It says, Nancy, there is much to be said, but I still love you and told you I loved you during our times of struggle in the last nine months. When we met in the summer of 2015, I'd lost most, I'd lost both my parents to completely different circumstances. You were my summer angel. After much talking, we didn't have to say anything other than we both knew our journey for finding an eternal partner had come to an end. We knew each other's struggles and differences as a couple, but pressed forward knowing that having children and creating a loving family is what we both wanted. Your hunger to gain knowledge and become the best mother possible could not be stopped because nothing less was acceptable in your mind. The children's needs were always met before your own. If I had an opportunity to live it all again, even knowing the outcome in the end, I would not hesitate to take the opportunity. You are the love of my life and I miss you dearly. Although I am still having a hard time with what you did to our family, I know that deep down you loved all of us, but the adversary was hard at work in your mind. He has failed in his efforts and put you all in a place of glory and love that he cannot be present in. I pray that God has mercy on your soul and looks at the great and wonderful works you've done in your life. We all miss you and look forward to talking to you once we pass the veil to the afterlife. I still love you as the day I met you. Hmm. I don't know if I'd be so gracious if my partner killed my children, but um, 
Just to finish off, I did find us some interesting stats. I know in our other episodes we've spoken about stats, so we won't rehash them, but 2.5% of all homicide arrests in the US are for parents who have killed their children. So that is an average of 500 filicide arrests per year, which is when a mother kills the children. Um, the rates of child homicide decrease with the child's age. And 90% of filicide perpetrators are biological parents and 10% are step-parents. I just found that was kind of an interesting contrast. Yeah. But can filicide be when the dad is too or is that a different one? That's patricide, I think. Filicide uh, is just mum. Interesting. You'd think that more would be step-parents. I guess like, the thing with step-parents is they probably, like, and I'm obviously generalising, don't have as much time with the children. They would generally true. be split with the other parent, like, and one one example that I was thinking about when I found that start was Gannon Stark because obviously mm-hmm. he lived with That's his stepmother um, full time. But yeah. yeah, I feel like generally it prob- probably happens less because the step parent generally spends less time with their stepchild. Yeah. All right, so that is it for this episode. Hope that you guys have a lovely holiday season. Have a safe one. Um, have a happy one. A calm one. All the good words. I hope it goes well for you all. Safe one. Yes. Um, everything will be on the blog as it always is, truecrimesocietyblog.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at True Crime Society. We're always posting updates there. If you want to check out our personal accounts and see what we're up to, see what Olivia is not doing for Thanksgiving because she doesn't do much. <laughs> <laughs> you can follow us at minus Steph Sum underscore Olivia's TCS Olivia share the podcast give us a review all those things make sure on whatever app you're using that you're actually like subscribed or following whatever the term your app uses is because it's a big help to us when you guys do that that's it leave us a rating on spotify if you haven't done it that is a big help to us as well with this all you have to do it just stars you don't have to write anything just give us a nice five stars and if you're not gonna give us five stars then don't don't do it (laughs) um But yeah, that is it. Thank you guys for listening and stay safe out there. Peace out.